So, we're all here at home. And hopefully you have a decent amount of food. But maybe there's a question related to that food is, are you actually hungry? Have you thought about that lately? Are you hungry? Are you feeling a real appetite for something? Or are you just bored? Trying to fill the time, which seems endless in our quarantine. Our guest today is Lana Nelson. And Lana is the author of Food Codes. And we discuss our first relationship with food, how we can relearn to be hungry, actually hungry, and a little bit about Montana, Lana Nelson. Okay, well, Lana from Montana, <laughs> we're here together on this podcast. I'm really happy that you're on, Lana. I appreciate it. I am too. Glad to be here today, Darian. Yeah, it's nice to be able to connect with people, especially in light of you know all the things going on. And what's the uh, temperature in Montana in terms of how things are going with coronavirus and people's behaviors and attitudes? I think well. Okay, I think well. Uh, from what I can see, I haven't been ma- been out much, but I did have to go into a nearby town and deliver uh, some papers to an office the other day. Um, not a lot of people out. I think most people are honoring it, staying indoors, and I just see a lot of good sociality. You know, people. Um, I see people honoring you know, what we're supposed to be doing. And, um, I just, I see things are good. Weather is good. I see people out walking. Uh, I live in a rural community, uh, by a beautiful lake and I see people out, um, with their pets or with their loved ones and still able to enjoy and have fun. And I don't personally know anyone who's ill, um, you know, in, in this area, but everybody is, I think honoring and and doing what they're supposed to be doing, and I see I've, I have a good vibe. I feel good vibes here. So okay, that's good. That's good. I know, like looking through kind of each state, Montana's pretty far down there in terms of cases, from what yeah. I know. So um, that's pretty good. But even so, it's it's good that people are adhering to the instructions for that. And you're in uh, Cali Spell, correct? I'm actually close to Kalispell, about 20 miles south. I'm in Big Fork, one word, Big Fork, and I live on the shore of Flathead Lake. That's awesome. I love that area. I, well, not recently, obviously, but every year we go to like Yellowstone and then Glacier National Park, and we just Mm -hmm. really love it. And so I used to take the Allegiant flight from um, Las Vegas. We don't live in Vegas anymore, but to Kalispell and then we went to like, we went to Glacier, went to Whitefish and it was just awesome. You know, glad you visited. Well, come back again. We'll get together. I would love to. (laughs) Yeah. You come jump, jump in the lake at my house. (laughs) That would be amazing. I can't imagine doing something like that right now. That'd be so amazing. That'd be like, 
just awesome. little chilly in the lake right now. Let me tell you, the ice is just off. Uh, last week we had, I don't know, six inches of snow. I think we had quite a bit of snow mm. last week, but it's beautiful, just wispy cloud day today. So woohoo. And it's supposed to be in the fifties. Hey, that's pretty good. That's yes. not bad. I tell you what, Montana in the summertime is amazing to me. It's like, mind-blowingly beautiful and i love the weather there and that's usually when i go but i've been during colder times too but it's it's for people who haven't been to montana it's it's a treasure if you haven't been and i've been through a lot of the state just traveling and exploring it's it's fairly incredible yeah it is uh, there's a lot of diversity from uh state border to state border and there's a lot of territory here too anywhere from desert to beautiful mountain majesties of glacier national park so yeah a lot of good and the a corner of yellowstone park is in montana too yeah that's true that's true it's it's a beautiful place and um I was struck by the fact that you lived there when I think Kathleen was telling me about you Yes. And uh, I just released her podcast episode today that just came out. So check that out for sure. I started to and listen to it a little bit ago and I'm going to continue. Okay. That's awesome. See, now you're on now. So now we got to get you through yours. Here, you, know. <laughs> you betcha. But I was really struck by your book. Thanks for sending the book, Food Codes. I definitely checked it out. My wife read it as well. Wonderful. Uh, for that. And I, I wanted to get kind of your, let's go backwards a little bit about your experience or your introduction to to food and how that is uh, nutrition and how that has affected your practice of it. All righty. Well, my first introduction, as was yours, as was everyone on the planet, actually, to food was at the point of conception, okay? Because our first, as we are conceived, we receive nutrients uh, from our mother. We, we receive the genes from our mother and father. And fast forward that in the womb, our first relationship is actually with food. As, an, as a developing infant in the womb, your body will take what it needs from your mother if she's not eating the right diet or, you know, giving the, giving you that food. So my book is a lot about relationships. And so relationship in the very beginning is with our mom and then food and then being fed uh, as we as we grow. And how I became a food intuitive, as some people call me, but how it was with my own struggles with help and healing. In about my mid-30s, early 30s, actually, I was um, I owned a dental lab and I was delivering a set of dentures one day to uh, one of the prosthodontists so his patient could eat well with her dentures that day. Anyway, I, I encountered a wreck along the highway, slowed down. And a semi-truck behind me did not slow down, which ended uh, in injuries with me, my head, neck, and shoulders, and a, an ambulance ride to the hospital. So fast forward that to the next 10 years, I suffered a lot with headache, pain, head, neck, shoulders. I went through neurologists. I had never been really too... Um, I had never gone to a lot of medical doctors as I was just, you know, really a healthy kid and so on and a healthy adult. I had, you know, babies and so on. But 
those chronic headaches for 10 years and pain from the bottoms of my feet to the tops of my head. One of my neurologists said to me one day, I think you should see a chiropractor for some of this, uh, some of this pain that you're having. And I remember that uh, as a young kid, my mom had gone to a chiropractor. So I did. And I, I went to a chiropractor and then I started seeking in this time, this was in like the early, early 80s, I guess, early to mid 80s. Back then, there were uh, we, what we call energy medicine right now was not common, Darian, and chiropractors were okay. And so I did get some help with a chiropractor. And then I started searching out other methods, naturopathic doctors, and nutrition. I read books on herbs and uh, nutrients. I started taking lots and lots of nutrition to try to to try to help that because I also had other complications with my gut. I had been in the hospital with what they, you know, with some gut problems, severe extreme pain in my gut, and I was really limited on what I could eat. So I found a book on juicing and no internet, of course, in those days. And I, I was reading right. every book I could find at the at the bookstore or the library. So found a book on juicing and I started juicing. A, f- a, fr- a friend of mine had a juicer. I didn't even know what that was because she was kind of into weird health stuff at that time. So I borrowed, I borrowed this juicer had my book in front of me and it said cabbage juice, really good for the gut. So I juiced a whole head of cabbage, whole head, which makes a huge glass full of cabbage juice. They also said that, okay, this, this person uh, that wrote the book said, ah, now, now uh, garlic is really good for you too. So two or three cloves of garlic, pop those in my mouth, chew them up. Oh, they're burning really hot. And I just gulped (laughs) down the cabbage juice. Don't ever, ever, ever do that. My first introduction to juicing was, you know, you were talking about um, about Yellowstone National Park. They have geysers there, okay? Yeah. We're just going to say there was another geyser in Montana after that. <laughs> so, yeah. Do not do that. Anyway, yeah, so looking that. looking at that, I started eating right. I started eating healthy and just searching searching for that and helped it so, and helped quite a bit. So here I am at this point in my life. I am a single mom, and I I own a dental lab. I'm even with the headaches and all that kind of stuff. I still have to support my family, okay? And so I'm still working my dental lab, and. I say to a friend of mine one day, and I'm telling her about how the chiropractic has helped me the most. And I said, you know, I should marry a chiropractor. I'm seeing one three times a week. And we just laughed, you know, girlfriends laughing together. We laughed. Well, what you say, somebody or something is listening out there. Okay. Because and this is how my whole how how I got started and where I'm why I'm at where I'm at right now. I was introduced on a blind date to and I had stopped dating or anything. It's like no, not doing that. I'm happy. I'm doing really well and blah blah. But anyway, I accepted this blind date. Dr. Bruce Nelson is who I was set up with. He happened to be a chiropractor that specialized in what I had been diagnosed with, fibromyalgia, which means a lot of pain in the in the muscles and the fibers, and it's incurable. But 
Fast forward that two weeks after this date, and I never thought I would see him again, actually. He was such a nice man. He was so positive. He was totally awesome. But with he had he worked on me, and with his specific technique that he used, um, I was out of pain, literally totally pain-free within two weeks. And then we dated and so on for a while. We ended up marrying at the end of that year, and we joined forces with two families of his six children and my six children. So does that cause another geyser there, Darian? <laughs> yeah, 12 kids. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't all living with us at the same time. But right, anyway, right. so we joined forces, but I became very interested in what Bruce did with, and with healing, basically, healing patients in his chiropractic practice through um, his healing technique that of balancing the body, finding what nutrition a person needed, and so on, and helping so many people. So I started, I kind of switched over my, uh, my practice from my dental lab. I eventually retired a few years later from that and started working with Bruce in our office. I did things like biofeedback, and he, he did what's called muscle testing or applied kinesiology. And have you heard of that, Darian? Are you familiar yes, with I that? Am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, using muscle testing or applied kinesiology, he would test his patients for was this bone or lig- ligament or something, was it out of place? Did it need to be adjusted or corrected? Uh, did the person need a certain nutrient in order to uh, for their health to get better? And so I just thought, this is very cool. I learned to muscle test and I thought our patients need a food program, a program of what are their best foods. So I started doing that in our in our practice. And I would test each patient specifically. I used myself as the uh, proxy tester, actually, and we can talk more about that if you like. So I would test myself for them sometimes test them on a list of foods, finding what were their best healing foods, what foods to stay away from. And that is really how the book morphed to now. I And I'll tell you a little, um, just a little bit more about that. So people were saying, you need to write a book about this. So what I did, I took many, I took like hundreds of the food plans that I I called them food plans, hundreds of these food plans, and I sifted through them to see what most of the people's best foods were. And then to find out what most of the people's not so good foods were, the foods they needed to stay away from um, for healing and bringing their bodies back into balance. I made a wonderful list of all these foods. I actually wrote a book on that and uh, it was never published because I'll tell you why. So the person's best foods, I put this food list on our refrigerator and Bruce and I ate this food and we had some other patients also testing it out, but it was very dramatic with the two of us eating the particular food of, you know, the the best foods and then staying away from the worst foods, 
I started to not, I started not feeling good. I thought, when am I going to feel good with this? Oh, my husband soared. He did so well. He felt good. He had lots of energy. I actually started to develop some blisters around my mouth. I started feeling really depressed and low energy. What I decided one day, it hit me like a ton of bricks practically. This is just like any other diet out there. It would work good for some people. It will not work for other people. So that's when, that's when I thought, okay, I've got to put this into a different type of book and I've got to teach you how to do this for yourself. And it's not just a one-time thing. We are energy. Our bodies are just totally energy vibrating frequencies as are, as is food. Any type of food has different vibrating frequencies. That's what uh, I called it the food codes, the uh, genetic code. Okay. Our DNA is very close to food. Our DNA is very close to a banana and a fruit fly. Doesn't mean that we're, you know, related, but our DNA is very similar in many ways, how we inter. Uh, interact energetically with foods. So the state of being that our body is right now, Darian, my foods are different from your foods. My best foods would more than likely be different than yours and yours than mine. So I, what you would learn by using my book is how to know what your best foods are And at different times of stress, different times of the season, different times of stress, a job, whether you're going to run a marathon or you want to bodybuild. So that's kind of a big nutshell right there. But that's how I am. And that's where I got to be right now. In the midst of this quarantine, how do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? Once it's all over, there will be an end. Doesn't feel like it right now, but there will be a time when we're not in our homes, when we're out in society again. But will it be the same? Probably not. There's always a new normal, and that new normal isn't just coronavirus. I'm betting that you've had a lot of new normals in your life, whether it was getting married to your significant other, going to college for the first time, starting a new job, having children. All of these are new normals. And after the coronavirus isolation aspect of it ends, there will be a new normal. What will your new normal be? Why do you think that people are so resistant to the idea sometimes that, or they look at something and they go, you know, I, I did this, let's say a food approach or diet and like, you try it. I, it worked for me. It should work for you. And not understanding that we're very different people for that. Mm-hmm. Why do we always try to pawn what we do well onto somebody else? You know? Well, there, we want to help others. 
We really do. And you actually could do a specific diet that works really good for you right now. And then another time, so let's say you want to lose weight or you want to really buff up for uh, a marathon or a competition. And so you use a particular diet at this time. Another time you would like to uh, drop a few pounds or get rid of it or do another marathon or and you use the same foods, the same diet, and it doesn't work. You start beating yourself up and and abusing yourself because it's me. It's not. And so our, our friends always want the best for us. So the very cool thing is with using how I teach you in the foods, uh, how to teach you to be more intuitive um, is different times, different dates, and it helps you to stop listening to experts. There's so many experts out there now, really good ones and really kind of crazy ones. Okay. But You're being pulled this way and that by expert opinion and expert advice. And you will find experts that five and 10 years ago have said, oh, this is the diet to beat all diets. That is the best. And then those experts have flipped around and gone, you know, that wasn't exactly true. Our new findings are this. So constantly changing opinions or and are constantly changing bodies. So each of us is different and unique. So uh, the advice I would give is to stop listening to everyone else and help to change your relationship with food. And by doing what I teach you in my book, basically tuning in with yourself, being able to connect to your inner knower, your subconscious brain that knows every moment of the day, any day, any time of year, what your best foods are. You are your own expert. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so it's an interesting approach um, because, you know, I think about what is so common right now is right now in the nutritional world, it seems like there's so much emphasis on uh, plant-based living or the ketogenic diet and things of that nature. What are your thoughts and ideas about those things that are currently kind of dominating our nutritional landscape? Well, I'm in love with whole foods. I'm in love with the way our grandparents ate. And and that was seasonal. That was whole foods. It was not out of a package or out of a box. I had um, a guy stand up at a, a large seminar that I was at, was teaching, and he says, "Well, what about the you know what about this food or that food, um, et cetera, et cetera?" And I said, "Well, those are not foods." He was basically talking about processed foods, and I said, "That's not food. That's not food." So I'm I'm totally, and here we have we have a lot of judgment going on out there, and that's kind of sad to me because each of us doing our own specific diet per se, and meaning the foods we're eating. If that's working for us, we want to tell everybody else about it, and you should do it. And that's where a lot of judgment comes in too. So one person is eating ketogenic. One person is, you know, is eating, um, you know, a lot of meat. Another person is vegetarian. And there's kind of like a war going on out there. Stop yes, it, people. There Stop. <laughs> what, find you know what's what interesting, Lana? For you. It's true. But it's almost like 
nutritional approaches are almost like this incredible, almost religious dogma for people, like the identification of the person's self in many ways is defined by how they live their nutritional life. So if somebody's so like true. a straight up vegetarian, they're like, or vegan, they almost define themselves as being a vegan beyond anything else in their lives. And so being open-minded about something else attacks their identity of self in a way, you know? Exactly true. Exactly true. We identify, we want to be, we want to be grouped with something and someone. Okay. How about just the human race? How about we eaters enjoy our food? How eaters. About we get I like to- eaters. <laughs> We're eaters. Yes, we are. How about us eaters just join each other at a table and Sally over there can eat half the roll basket if she wants. And Brad over here can eat just only vegetables and raw, you know, and Joe sitting over there can eat a plate of grease if he wants, whatever. Okay. And stop judging each other, you know, for, for number one. So Not necessarily eating a plate of grease, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. The judgment seems to be really, uh, really deep. I I noticed that with, there's, there's a weird element of judging and nutritional practices. It it feels deeper than other things. And maybe it's because food is so personal to us. Can you speak on that? Our first relationship as personal. Yes. Okay. Here's what happens when we, we've, unlearned. We have unlearned how to eat. So when, if you think about a tiny baby, this little baby is not going to overeat. You can try to feed this baby too much. You can shove a bottle in this baby's face. And if you get, if you're lucky enough, or if you're trying to feed it all, it just will back up at you. Okay. Too much will come back. Or if it's not to the baby's liking, think about a little child in a high chair, how curious we grow up as curious. We want to know the texture, the taste, the feel. If we don't really like the texture, taste, or feel, we spit it out. You can't overfeed a baby. They know when they're hungry. They know when they're full. They will tell you. They know what foods they like and very curious. We have gotten out of that in our culture. We're eating when we're not hungry and we're not stopping when we're full. full. And I actually give you some really, really cool techniques to in my in my wonderful book to show you how to get back to that, knowing when you're hungry or knowing when you're full. And um, sitting down one day, would you like to hear a story? I, I have a cool yes, story I about love that. stories, all about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. This is my personal story. So I'm writing this book a few years ago. And I'm thinking, and I'm, you know, writing about this concept of knowing when you're hungry and knowing when you're full. How do I really know when I'm hungry? Huh? Well, we eat three times a day. It's all scheduled out for us, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're planned out. And so I go and prepare myself a cup of soup. So I have a soup and a spoon. I sit down in a real quiet place. I'm looking out my window, my beautiful serene window, and I start sipping this soup, spoonful at a time. I'm thinking loving thoughts. I've blessed it and, you know, gratitude for it beforehand. And I'm eating. All of a sudden, I feel this like almost like inside my body, a lock and a clunk. Like you have just locked a large lock and clunk. And I sat there for a second and I thought, wow, what was that? And mind you, I'm meditating as well, doing all this. And so 
I look down in my cup and there's about a few spoonfuls left. And I think to myself, I think I'm full. And I look down and this other part of me goes, well, you know, there's just a little bit left in that. You could just sip it up. <laughs> and I went, no, this is, I'm full. I got up, I walked over to the, to, I walked over and I, to the sink and I actually poured the rest of it down the disposal. Let me tell you, I felt like I had just been freed. It was kind of a euphoric feeling. So that is my first really experience as, as an adult with really knowing when I was totally full and stopping then eating. So what are some, you know, obviously we want people to read your book and, and, it's, and it's, it's really good to, you know, go through it and, and learn about your ideas and methods. What are some techniques that people listening that they can do to help them actually turn back on to themselves and learn like, am I hungry or am I not hungry actually? Cause you're right. I think we've, we've lost that. It's a big thing that I teach to my daughter is, are you actually hungry? Let's really think about this. Let's discuss it. Those things versus just kind of the mindlessness of eating, which is probably a very good segue eventually into what's happening currently with people being at home so much mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of food they have in their <laughs> pantry now. You, know? you bet. Well, one thing you can do is um, we have to kind of relearn our hunger and and so forth. So let's say you're going to the refrigerator and you're opening the door for the third or fourth time in a little while. Stop and just think to yourself, am I really hungry? Just stop for a minute. Am I really hungry? Hmm. Am I really thirsty? Am I thirsty instead is there something else bothering me? Am I just staying plain bored? So, but as you're eating, you can actually, your hunger um, doesn't, your satiety level uh, does not kick in for a few minutes. Uh, you can eat more slowly and enjoy, feel, touch, taste the food, roll it around in your mouth. It's a wonderful enjoyment. We hoover a lot of, a, a lot of us have become hoover eaters, you know, just hoover it <laughs> like off the plate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely vacuuming it off the plate. But, and, and it's called mindful eating. A lot of people will talk about mindful eating this day, but eat more slowly and then feel Am I really hungry? So here is, here's a way to muscle test, okay? Every one of your listeners can do this. Don't do this if you're driving right now, okay? But you can stand or sit in a comfortable place. And what I call the sway test, swaying forward as a yes answer, swaying back as a no answer, asking the subconscious mind. Your subconscious is like a lie detector test, okay? A biofeedback device, if you will. And it will sway with an intention, intend that I'm going to sway forward for a yes answer, or I'm going to sway forward if I am, if I ask a yes or no question. My forward is a yes. Swaying away from, if you, if you think about something that's distasteful, disgusting, it's like, yuck. Imagine opening up a jar of something that's fermented and you take a whiff, I mean, like bad, and you, woof, you, you sway backward of, oh, just automatically. So that's a no. 
okay and you take a bite of cake or something that you you like that is or a sweet thought swaying forward towards that so establish that you sway forward with a yes and if you'd like i can do just a little exercise i don't know if we have time for that or not darian yeah sure we have time okay all right so sitting or standing comfortably Sometimes it works best standing, but sit if you're sitting on the edge of the chair. And we're going to imagine that we're connecting with our inner knower, our subconscious mind. And just imagine this beautiful, beautiful thought. We're going to sway yes towards a happy thought. Think about that sweet little daughter. Think about how much you love her. Think about something very lovely. Think about peace, a soft hug or a kiss. And imagine that as you're thinking about that, you're sinking very lusciously into it. Your body sways more forward. Here you go. Your body will sway forward. Now you can practice this at any time. And your body will actually sway toward something that is truth or congruent. Okay, now we're going to just change that thought for a minute and come back to center. Now imagine that uh, this is, oh, we're in quite a time here. There's a lot of, a lot of struggle going on. There's a lot of struggle in the world. Um, someone just said no to you. And I'm going to just open a jar of, ooh, this looks like it has a little mold in it, a whiff of that. Whew, it's going to sway you backward immediately. We cannot even hardly stand, but be very, very careful when you do this exercise. But swaying backward to something no. Now, I'm going to just clap my hands for just a couple and we're going to sway back to the center. We're just going to come back to center now and think again about a nice warm hug. Hug with someone you love, a kiss on the cheek, a soft puppy or a kitty, that beautiful little child. So that is a very easy technique of swaying that you can um, you can use very easily. Some people uh, with muscle testing will use a pendulum. Sometimes you can use an arm or I give a lot of uh, examples in my book about different types of muscle testing using a different muscle, so to speak, like an arm or a finger. Um, and how to do it with someone else. But you can easily do this with yourself. And the cool thing is too, you can hold up some food or even think about food in your mind, okay? So let's just imagine you ha are holding an orange right now. Now, an orange might be one of the very best things for you. You can imagine an orange. And is this one of my best foods right now? Is this one of my best foods right now? Is this one of my best foods right now? I'm actually swaying forward with that. And I have some wonderful oranges on my counter. You could ask that with another food or another type of food. Your body will sway forward or backward with a yes or no. You can use this as you are eating. As you're eating, just eat slowly and you can ask yourself, am I full? Am I full? And I'm getting a little bit more full. Does my body want to eat more? And your body will say no when it doesn't.
I've actually found you can test on a scale of one to 10 um, using this method. Is this a one or a two or using one of the other muscle testing techniques? How full am I as you're, you're eating? I've found that I am really happy at about a five or a six. Okay, that is when later on my body just goes, thank you so much. I'm not burping and I'm not feeling like I need a nap. <laughs> you know, so and that will be different for each each person. It's really interesting. You know, it's in thinking about what just occurred when you were talking about, you know, the hug, kiss on the cheek, things of that nature. I just, I felt myself smiling and thinking about the people in my life that I love giving hugs to and, and just, it just was a good feeling, you know, Yes. but then when you start talking about the other things, difficult things, or something that smelled really bad, there was this inclination to like, kind of furrow my brow a little bit, you know, and kind of like, and I was like, uh, it didn't feel good. Yes. You know? It was very interesting to actually be in those thoughts and think about those thoughts and how it made me feel directly about those things. Well, you just tapped into your intuition. That was your inner knower. That is the feeling of intuition. That's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's a good exercise to do of connection. And then when you're connecting that with food, I think, you know, a really big thing is, like you said, relearning how to eat. I totally remember when my daughter was, she's eight now, but I remember when she was so little and we give her something she didn't like, you know, the face would turn up, she'd push it away, she'd spit something out and we lose that. It feels like over time, you know, we just start eating and eating and we don't think about, do I really like that? Or I'm just consuming stuff. You You bet. Well, you can do another, you can do a taste test yourself as you're eating. You can uh, sample just a food and think, do I like the feel of this? Do I like the taste of this? There was a particular food and I used to say, oh, I like everything. Well, I don't. (laughs) I really don't. I'm finding as I eat something, it's like, I'm not going to finish this because I really don't like it. And then I, right. so you will, yeah, you will get that back. You And eating is fun. Our first relationship with food was fun. Get back that. Do I like the taste, the texture? Do I like the feel? All of that. It's back to that relationship with ourself, our first, our first self with food. Remembering who we really are. <laughs> it's almost... I mean, that's food is obviously a very large aspect of it, but I feel like that can play a lot of different ways and just who we really are as humans in general. Like, do we we forget who we are many times in life? And I kind of think about it with the quarantine and shelter in place and things of that nature is then people are in many ways being forced to remember who they are and the simpler things in life. I'm seeing that with people. And remembering that we are communal beings. We're clansmen. Okay, so when we're separated, we're not... Now, some people do like a little more isolation than others. You know, it's just natural personalities. But we're clansmen. We want to get together around a table. We want to eat together. Think about all the cultures over all period of time. What? How did When did they get together? To eat. 
whether it was around a fire pit, whether it was around a table, and they gave thanks to the gods, they gave thanks to the food, and that is what um, my, one of my messages. Get back to that gratitude and thanks and community. Whether you are a family of one or whether you're a family of 12, because you can actually be, as you're eating and with food, you can be a family of one and treat yourself very kindly and wonderfully and enjoy your food, even as a family of one, Darian. That's wonderful. Uh, You have a very uh, nice way about yourself, Lana, like very, uh, it's very tender, in a sense, you know, very easygoing and just very, it's almost, almost mesmerizing, like taking through the exercises <laughs> and stuff. It's really nice. It's really nice. I mean, on a, it's a beautiful day here in Washington state and, you know, you're taking me through the exercise and I'm like, I feel very relaxed. This is very nice, <laughs> you know? Perfect. So I'm grateful <laughs> for that. And I'm grateful for your time with me today. I know you have many things going on like many people, but Thank you for allowing me to have some time in your life. I'm grateful for that. And thank you. I'm grateful for that. Thank you for what you are doing with Helping the Planet too, and with your wonderful podcast. Thank you so much, Lana. And uh, we will be in touch. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.